Welcome to the Attractions Group Podcast. I'm Don Helbig alongside, as always, Ryan Sir. You can follow us on Twitter at Attractions underscore GRP, YouTube, and your favorite podcast apps. Ryan, it's the holiday season. Perfect time to give your favorite, uh, you know, amusement park fans on your list that uh, special, special item. And if you're a fan of Kings Island, uh, you and I had a chance last month at IAPA to take a look at a new book that has just been published, Kings Island, A Photographic Journey. Have you picked up your copy yet? Don, um, I, as you probably recall and get angry about, I asked you about this book every day since I heard about it back you in did. April. Uh, and it finally came out. And of course it came out and it was uh, on the shelves in the park when I was out of town in, in uh, Pigeon Forge. But I did order it that day because I'm that kind of paranoid. And I do have my copy of King's Island, a photographic journey, and I absolutely love it. So we are. I couldn't put it down. I couldn't put it down when I, when I opened it up. I mean, I just went cover to cover with it. It's that good. Yeah, I was paging through it today just uh, in preparation for this uh, this uh, program tonight. And uh, I, I saw stuff that I hadn't noticed because I only got, really got to page through it in the past. I've had a really busy couple of days. So that was my first time actually like getting to actually appreciate it. And I saw stuff that I didn't think I'd ever see exist. So without further ado, Don especially for your audio listeners who can't see who's on the screen. Don, who's our special guest today? Well, we have John Keeter with us, and uh, John very involved uh, in, in putting this book together. He's the primary um, primary photography in this uh, book was from his own personal collection. So, John, welcome to the Attraction Group podcast. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your background. Well, first, it's my honor to be here. So thank you for having me. Um, my personal background is I'm just a guy that loves the park. I grew up uh, visiting the park, Kings Island, year after year, and just fell in love with it, like so many people. Um, I'm a regular guy with a full-time job, and I did have a little tenure, a little, little stint at the park working weekends at the park many years ago so i had the opportunity to work on beast crew and that just kind of reaffirmed my love of the park and my enjoyment so uh i get there as much as i can and over time um it became a an obsession well an obsession about king's island is not a bad obsession to have so um you know diving directly into the book uh how did the idea for it become conceived obviously there was a uh, a book by Evan Poonstengel that came out, uh, was it last year, I guess, at this point, uh, that really was kind of like yes. a documental, like a, an actual like fact by fact history of the park. But yours is a different route. It's more photos and, you know, that sort of stuff with just small blurbs with it. How did you conceptualize this? How did that come to be? Well, um, there's kind of a long history with it. Uh, I will tell you the 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 clip notes version okay. how about that so about about five years ago it dawned on me that king's island had never had a book that kind of celebrated its memories its history in a photographic way in a visual way and um i just remember thinking man you know i've got this collection i would just kill to have a book like that so i just kind of bucked up one day and asked Don if I could meet with Don. And Don graciously um, invited me into his office. And we sat down, this would have been summer of 17, 2017. And we sat down in his office and I marveled at Don's collection of memorabilia. 
And I said, hey, Don, I want to do this book. Or Actually, I started by saying, Don, is anyone doing a book for the 50th? To which he said, no, nobody's doing anything that I've heard. And I said, then why don't I work on one? Or how about if I do one? Do you think that's something the park would get behind? And Don said, I think the park would. He, he agreed, you know, that um, there was an audience for it. And we felt it, you know, was a great idea. And we felt that um, it would play into um, that niche of people that love the park and remember things about the park. So that's how it kind of evolved. But then it was kind of like, you know, Don graciously again said, you know, I'll help you however I can. So I kind of left there and went about my own business trying to put something together. And you have to understand, and I may be getting a little ahead of myself, I had an immense collection of stuff that I had amassed over the years. Ever since I've been going to Kings Island, I've been collecting Kings Island literature, press kits, anything I could get my hands on. And so it became a process of sorting through that, organizing all of that, because I had a storage unit full of stuff with totes and Kings Island stuff just thrown into totes. So I was sorting through all of that. And it quickly became an overwhelming task. And, you know, let alone the part of it, how do you, how do I even publish a book? You know, what do I do with that? Where do I go? Then COVID rears its ugly head and it stalemated at that point. At that point, everything shuts down. Um, and I just thought, well, this might not be, you know, a project that gets seen all the way through, even though I would love it to. So it stalemated, and um, then last September, a fun little, I don't know, it was like the heavens parted or something like that, because Don reached out to me and said, hey, are you still working on a book? And I said, yeah, and he said, well, there's a guy named Barry Hill that's been talking to our merchandise folks about doing a coffee table book. Now, Barry Hill is actually the author of the book, and he had just recently come off of publishing Evan Ponstingle's book, uh, and that was a linear version of King's Island's history. And that's King's Island, um, A Ride Through Time, which I'm sure many of the listeners have heard or seen. And so he was fresh off of doing that, and he pitched the idea through merchandise of, hey, why don't we do a coffee table book? To which they replied, well, there's this guy, John Keeter, that's already working on one. And so Don said, why don't you talk to this guy, see if you guys can combine efforts? And the rest, as they say, is history. I reached out to Don, uh, to Barry, and um, Barry was a great guy, and I knew within... A couple emails. He was somebody I wanted to partner with. He got it. He knew what needed to be done with the book and how it needed to look. And we decided very quickly, let's start. Let's create a book. And that's how let's it came talk to real, be. Uh, quick here about Barry and how you got to be connected with him. Um, when you first had your first discussions with him, was he surprised by the amount of uh, memorabilia and all the photos and everything that you already had in place? I think so. I, he, 
I think Barry initially thought I'm going to have to rely a lot on the park archives and, you know, have to go to them and probably sort through some stuff in Kings Island's files and that sort of thing. But yet um, through you, Don, he got word, you know, this guy has, as Barry likes to say, this guy has stuff. He has a lot of stuff. And so when we started talking, I said, hey, let me start sending you some things just so you get an idea. So I started sending him things and he was very quickly, he was like, all right, yeah, this is the stuff we need. Um, so, yeah. So, um, you know, obviously, you know, creating the book, there's a lot of work that gets into a book and also a lot of risk because you always have the idea that it could either never be published or never turn like a reasonable profit or whatever. So, you know, anybody that would do a book like this, obviously there's a passion uh, aspect to it. Where does your passion for Kings Island and the amusement industry, where, where do you trace that back to? Well, uh, <laughs> really? genetics, <laughs> my dad loved parks, loved parks. Um, I was blessed with a dad that, you know, would take us places. He would take us to Hershey Park. He, I went to Bush Gardens the year it opened down in Williamsburg, Virginia. Um, I went to King's Dominion in 79. Um, you know, so I was very lucky to travel to all these different places. Um, and so, you know, that's more or less kind of where things began. But ironically, the first roller coaster I ever rode was at King's Dominion. And I hated it. It was the Scooby-Doo. I screamed and cried the whole time. Rode it with my mom and my dad in the seat behind me. And then after that, you can really get me on a roller coaster for a few years. But then the tide turned when my parents decided to take me on a trip to Kings Island. And that was back in the very, very early 80s. And I walked in the gates. And having been to Kings Dominion before, I, it wasn't unfamiliar to me. Very similar parks. But that day, something happened. My dad um, stood at the back of the park with me, and I stood there and marveled at the brand new ride back then called the Bat. We're talking about the original Bat, you know, not the one at the park now. Um, and I marveled at that thing, mostly because I couldn't understand how it worked. It wasn't operating that day. But I remember standing there, and I just couldn't figure it out. And it just so happened my dad was an engineer, and he had done some contract work for NASA, that sort of thing. And he took the time to explain it to me. And I just remember that as a vivid memory with my father. And from that point on, I was addicted. We got back to Virginia where I lived at the time. And within a couple of weeks, I was riding the Loch Ness Monster at Bush Gardens and couldn't get enough. And there you have it. Yeah, John, let's talk a little bit about the process uh, for gathering information for a book like this. Uh, you know, obviously you had a vision for what you were thinking. You start to, you know, you partner with Barry. He's got a little bit of a vision. Uh, walk us through a little bit of how you two merged your ideas together to come up with this book. Well, to be honest with you, my role was lead contributor. Barry gets the lion's share of credit for this book. I'll be perfectly honest because he had the artistic vision. He had, you know, the ability to publish it. And he had the experience in laying out a book. Barry's, um, just to give you a little bit more information about Barry, Barry is the owner and creator of a company called Rivershore Creative. And he was not a novice to the publishing or, or book production business. Um, he's 
himself authored a book on Imagineering. I think it's called like Imagineering and uh, an American Dreamscape. If if I think I got that correct. Of course, he had published Evans' book, King's Island: A Ride Through Time. Um, but he's you know also a professor, um, and so he just had the ability, the know-how. And then when we started talking, you know, the ideas just seemed to jive. And it was, we want to do um, a book where we more or less take people on the journey through King's Island's 50 years as best we can in just a visual way. We didn't want it to be a linear book, you know, a lot of verbal history that had been done and done very well by Evan Ponstingle. So we just visually wanted to do it. So I started immediately submitting high-res images to him. Anything I had all got scanned um, or photos taken and sent to him. And we just began the process of narrowing it down from there. And he started plugging it into some layouts and we would rotate in pictures and rotate out pictures and you know, anything we could think of to just tell this story of King's Island. And that was That's the process. Awesome, John. Um, so you mentioned that you have uh, a lot of stuff, a lot of memorabilia. What are some of your favorite pieces of like King's Island or theme park memorabilia that you'd want to talk about? Oh, that's a good question. Um, wow. Uh, well, I'll tell you my favorite. And because this parlays into why this book happened. My first visit to King's Island, you know, in 81, um, they were still selling in the shops a tiny little paperback photo book. And you can still get them on eBay and that sort of thing. It was just a real thin, maybe only 20 pages of pictures of King's Island. And um, my mom bought one of those. She loved buying the souvenirs. That was her thing. Whereas my dad would take us on the rides. My mom would do the shopping for the souvenirs. And so we brought it home with us. And I became obsessed with that little paperback book. And that's more or less what, you know, triggered my mind all these years later. I was like, man, you know, why hasn't anybody else done something like that, but on a bigger scale? So that's probably my favorite piece and I still have it the exact one that she bought that day and all the edges are worn off of it <laughs> from where I looked at it so much and um so that's my favorite um the smurf behind me is pretty special I don't know if oh, you can, can see it or not oh yeah that was that was a hard object to obtain um and I didn't figure out which one it was but I, I got that a number of years back um, by somebody that had obtained it directly from the park back in the day when they eliminated Smurf Ride. And then probably third thing, I have one of the bronze coins that they handed out on, I believe, opening day when the park opened. I got that from a collector. So they had these special bronze coins that they, they minted specifically for the grand opening of King's Island. And that was lucky enough to obtain one of those priceless to some right yes yes okay, so john talk about a couple of weeks ago you visit king's island you walk into one of the stores in the park 
and you see your book on the shelves. You know, there's your name on the cover, you know, Barry R. Hill and John M. Keeter. How does that feel? Surreal. <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm so honored and I'm so fortunate to have been a part of this. And, um, but yeah, it warms your heart to see a, uh, a dream come true. Um, and, you know, but surreal also because ironically, we put this bit, this book to bed a long time before it ever went on sale at Kings Island. The book was actually wrapped up around March of um, 2022. So before the park even opened for, you know, its season, we had the book all wrapped up. But logistically, there's just a lot of hurdles you have to go through with a book of this size and this quality. Um, there was a lot of lead time for printing, but also obviously with a lot of different owners of Kings Island through the years and a lot of different images, you have to get a lot of permission to use those images. And so, um, you know, there was a long lead time on things like that. So when I finally saw it in print, um, you know, Don can tell you this, I was anxious. I was, because it wasn't so much that I wanted to see it in print. I wanted other people to see it. I was more anxious to hear others' reactions to it. And so when I finally saw it there, I was like, man, you know, it's been a long journey, but here it is. Wow, it happened, it, you know? Yeah, so needless to add to the conversation, uh, you can find it at Kings Island. Uh, I uh, They have it in pretty much every shop, which is awesome. But I will say that the piles of books that I saw the first time I saw them are much smaller than the piles of books I'm seeing today. So maybe it's selling pretty well. We don't have access to that kind of information. Well, let me ask you this, though. So um, very appropriately, you had uh, a foreword written by Gary Walks, the first GM of Kings Island, and an afterword. Is that what the, is that is that or after forward? <laughs> anyway, uh, yes. by uh, Mike Jones, yes. who's <laughs> the current GM of Kings Island. What, yes. How did that come to be, and what was it like working with those two guys? Well, actually, Barry had gotten to know Gary through Evan in Evan's book um, and publishing that book, so they had formed a friendship. And I had never met Mister Walks um, prior to working on the book. And it was 11 months ago in January. So Barry and I had worked several months on the book. And um, he more or less said, hey, I'm coming to town. Do you want to meet Gary Walks? And I nearly jumped out of my skin. I could not believe I was going to meet Gary Walks. This guy's like a superhero to me. And um, so we went up and we actually met at Dennis Spiegel. Um, if you don't know Dennis Spiegel, he's got a long history with um, Kings Parks and uh, specifically Kings Dominion. And he owns and operates International Theme Park Services. And so we met up there at his office and I was sitting there talking to Dennis and I had met Dennis before. He, um, but uh, I'm sitting there talking to Dennis and in walks Gary Walks. And I just thought, man, if you had told 10-year-old little me the day I walked into Kings Island that I'd someday meet the guy that dreamt it up, I would have thought you're crazy. But that was that was a big day. But as far as, you know, the foreword by Gary, 
it was in, very important to both Barry and to myself that this book be a dedication to Mr. Walks because he achieved what I think was pretty much the impossible. And what he managed to pull off, no one, in my opinion, could do that at all today, in today's environment. Um, in his 20s, this guy had the foresight to go to his dad, who owned Kings Island, and say, Dad, I want to close this park, and I want to move it up north, and, you know, because otherwise we're going to get sunk. And, you know, everybody knows the story. The rest is history. And this guy, I mean, single-handedly created this part. So it's just, it was a great honor to meet him. And obviously to have him contribute that forward to the book and also to dedicate the book to him. And then you had Mike Koontz do the uh, afterward. So, so did you yes. just approach him at the park one day? And <laughs> Oh, again, that kind of falls on, on Barry because you have to understand that Barry had a lot of the connections through working on Evan's book, but um, reached out to Mike because obviously you're starting with, you know, telling the story of Kings Island. You're starting with a guy that dreamed of it and you're ending with a guy that right now is in charge of it that it's left in his care. So the current general manager, Mr. Koontz, you know, obviously it was important to end on a note where he addressed the future of Kings Island and kind of made a promise to everybody that that history is going to continue. Yeah, John, as I'm thumbing through the book here, there's a lot of rare photos, historical documents, press releases. Uh, how do you come across, you know, gathering some of these rare documents? Well, um, it ain't easy all the time. You have to do a lot of hunting and you have to, I don't know, find the right people. Um, but as far as the items that I contributed, I can tell you that a good portion of the items in the book do come from my personal collection, but also a good portion come from Kings Island's archives. So we had the benefit of some access to that. Thank you, Mr. Helbig. And, um, uh, but as far as my personal, it's been 30 years of, you know, Craigslist and eBay and going to the park and being given um, media kits when rides opened and going back and, you know, asking people that worked at the park in marketing, you know, hey, do you have any old media kits or something like that? And it's just been, you know, a process of that. And also... In, in, in the collecting world, no matter what you collect, when people find out that you collect a certain niche of things like King's Island or if you collect, I don't know, matchbox cards or something like that, you start hearing from people, well, I have this thing from King's Island or my grandfather worked at King's Island and, you know, I have this something you might be interested in. So that's how a lot of my collection evolves. Yeah, you know, John, when you look at your collection, too, I mean, it's everything evolves. And the way parks do things now, it's evolved. So, like, over the last 10 years or so, those press kits they used to put together when there would be new ride announcements and that, those are a thing of the past now. You know, everything's just digital. They, are. they just send off, you know, um, you know, renderings or... Um, you know, animation, you know, footage, those kind of things to the, to the news media and that. So 
uh, you know, it's going to become even harder, you know, over the next 50 years to be able to have what you collected over the first 50 years in that kind of a format. Yes, most definitely. And also, if I can really, I'm old school, and uh, I will tell you that my collecting started when I started going to Kings Island and to those parks. I was so OCD about it that anytime I would go to a park, I would make sure that I kept my park map. And every spring before parks opened, my dad would drive me to a local ranger station at a park nearby our house. And I would literally go there and pull all of the amusement park brochures, you know, that they had put out for the season. And that's how I would find out what the new rides were. Because back then, you know, they didn't do mega announcements like they do now so much. Um, back then, a lot of times you would just see it in the brochure, new for 1979, you know. Um, and that's how the collection began. But I have to tell you, a few years ago, it's been a while now, when they stopped producing those brochures, Oh, I broke my heart. That was the end of an era. I thought, oh, no, they're not doing the brochures anymore. But you still do the still park, do the park maps. maps. So that's, um, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, those, what they call the rack brochures. You know, once the internet, you know, came about and mobile apps and all those kind of things, it, it kind of rendered those things not as, not as valuable because not everybody had the ability to just go online and look you up and, and see what you have to offer. Right. And I believe, if memory serves me, 2006 was the last rack brochure Kings Island did. That is correct, because my first year there in 2007 was the year that uh, we no longer did them. Yep. And for 2006, they had eliminated, eliminated the fold-out, and it became a little one-sheet. That's all it was. And it, I kind of, at that point, I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> they're going away they're shrinking them so yeah i mean i often wonder if we'll have park maps at all in five or ten years because uh, especially with covid they kind of prove that you don't need them necessarily it seems like they've been brought back to most parks but at a much smaller scale and it's more directing people towards the mobile apps i mean have you noticed the same thing john i have but I think there's something to be said for something tangible, um, you know, when you go to the park. So, you know, Disney continues to supply physical park maps to its guests. Um, so I do think that parks somehow recognize that there is an importance of, of giving some, something a little bit tangible to guests or guests that maybe don't want to spend all day staring at their phone. Um, it would be my hope they'd continue, but obviously times change and I'm sure generationally it'll age out and, uh, you know, but if a park has a park map, I'm still going to grab five copies of it for my, my <laughs> archives. <laughs> so, um, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, the other, uh, like the earlier Kings Island picture book that was one of your first pieces of memorabilia. What are some other uh, like theme park publications similar to yours that you kind of drew inspiration from and that you, you still kind of cherish to this day? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I am, you know, I'm an ACE member. And so I got to know several people that were doing books um, through ACE 
about parks, whether it was, you know, long lost parks or they were doing photographs of coasters across, you know, many parks across the country. And so I was snapping those books up left and right. And in the 90s, thankfully, there was kind of a boom of those types of books and publications. But I will tell you the book that spoke to me the most was a book done by Charlie Jacquez, who um, essentially compiled the entire history of Cincinnati's Coney Island. And that book was produced in um, early 2000s. And I fell in love with that book. I read, I have read, read that book backwards, forwards, upside down, probably 30 times. And I still, every time I pick it up, find out something new. And it's just, it's an amazing reference guide. And that's how I learned so much about Coney Island and the roots of Kings Island is through his work, Charlie Jacquez. So if you can get your hands on that book, that is such an amazing precursor to the Kings Island history books that have come out. Yeah, John, let's talk about the cover of the book uh, that you have here. It's, I don't know if you can see it there, but um, just an amazing piece of art uh, for this cover. How did that come about? Like, how did you settle on this is what it's going to be? That was actually Gary Wax, Mr. Wax. So that piece of art, just so you know, got used in a lot of publicity in the early years of Kings Island. They did some merchandise with that piece of art on it. They did um, all the way down to like the boxes they used to sell saltwater taffy in. That image was on that. And it's a very early image of the park. But that um, actual image used for that cover is the original painting that hangs in Gary Walk's home. It was commissioned for him. So it was more or less his generosity. And uh, he took that painting and had a high resolution scan of it done. And it was just, there was no other cover other than that piece of art because it is just, it's beautiful and it tells the tale of King's Island. It tells, you know, without saying a word, it just tells you how beautiful and amazing King's Island is just by that picture. Yeah. I mean, it certainly is. The cover alone is uh, such a great representation, but let me ask you this. So, um, you obviously you're, you're pretty well known for your knowledge of King's Island and the industry and stuff in the online circles and through ACE and so on. Um, while compiling the book, was there anything that surprised you that you learned while doing it? Like, does anything stick out to you? Um, I, I don't know that anything really stuck out at me. Um, I will tell you there, the challenge with the book was trying to squeeze 50 years of, you know, history into this book. Um, so we learned very quickly that, you know, we were going to have to scale some things down and some things maybe weren't going to make it in the book that we wanted to, but you just can't include everything. Um, but, you know, in terms of surprises, I can't say there wasn't really a surprise, but um, no, I'm very happy with the decisions we make made and what showed up in the book. 
Um, but we have enough to do 20 more. So <laughs> <laughs> there may be some surprises if we do other editions. Yes, the second printing, that would be kind of nice. Yeah, well, John, the book's been out now a couple of weeks here. You know, a lot of uh, the Kings Island guests have had a chance to uh, to purchase the book. Uh, what has the feedback been that you've heard? Um, very positive. You know, I went into this knowing it's day of, days of social media. So I thought, I kept telling myself, don't wear your heart on the sleeve, <laughs> you know, you know, because like I was saying, you can't include everything. So I thought, you know, people are going to look at this book and say, oh my gosh, they f forgot to put in blah, 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 or they didn't include this, that, or the other. And, you know, there's a variety of reasons why you can't include everything, whether it's legal reasons, copyright reasons, or maybe, like I said, there's just not room or we just didn't have an appropriate image of whatever. But I was kind of prepared for that. But overwhelmingly, the response that I've gotten has been completely supportive. Um, a couple people have said, you know, I've been waiting for this for years. And that reaffirmed that it was the right thing to do and it was the right decision. Um, but mostly people are just talking about how beautiful it is. It is a beautiful book to look at. It feels good. It's heavy in your hands and it just is high quality. And again, I give that credit to Barry because, you know, when we first started discussions, I said, this thing needs to be nice. It needs to be really, really nice. And Barry unequivocally said it will be nice and it will be beautiful and it lived up to that and we're talking about 200 pages here too and you know like i said at the top of the podcast here you know when when i opened it up cover to cover i could not put it down awesome and that's saying a lot because you've been there since the beginning you've seen that part you know from day one yeah it brings back a lot of memories so john yeah. one thing that kind of um stuck out to me is I'm looking looks on page 28 there's a press release and you know we're not going to catch this on film but it, it's saying Coney Island closes uh, the end in a beginning was that the actual press release where the general public found out that Coney Island was going to be closing and reopening up north it was it was so do you know and maybe this is more of a question for Don because he kind of lived through it but was was that the rumor at the time or was this a shock to everyone you know I think all I remember is, you know, very, very young back then, but it was 1969. Um, you know, there's some rumblings, you know, my dad was talking about that they were looking to sell the park, which they did, you know, to Taft and that. And then in 1969, it was kind of a surprise that, you know, they were moving the park to Mason, which uh, we lived in uh, what was considered, you know, Anderson Township or is considered Anderson Township. So we go from you know, 10, 15 minutes from Coney Island to what something was going to be 30, 40 minutes away uh to king's island so it was like out in the boondocks so yeah there was a lot of surprise like you know how far it was going to be uh moving a lot of people came to coney island you know they took the boat down the river and stuff to come over uh, to the park so it was just a lot of gonna work and it's going where you know because nobody had ever heard of mason ohio so there was a lot of that i remember my dad talking about and um you know just some of the articles that i read back you know back in the early 70s when it was uh, under construction before they closed Coney. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't like out of the blue. I mean, there was, you know, there was chatter and stuff that it was going to happen. Um, but until it does, you know, there's still people that aren't believing it and, you know, holding out hope that Coney's going to continue. Mm -hmm. Um, I also see a press release 
uh, King's Island ahead of schedule to open next spring. Was this from your collection or from Gary Walk's collection or, or where did you get the, the early press releases? That one might've been from my collection. I, I can't remember specifically, I, you know, cause there was a lot, but also uh, we had Tom Kempton, who was the first marketing manager for King's Island. He was involved with the book too. He was part, you know, he, there's actually a dedication of the book to Gary Walks, where him and Dennis Spiegel dedicate the book to Mr. Walks and call him the father of King's Island. And, but Mr. Kempton was able to supply a few things, you know, some photographs and that sort of thing from those early days. So it might have come from his collection, either his or mine. Yeah, I think the press releases are kind of the most interesting. Uh, there are a lot of photos I've never seen before, and I've seen a lot of historical photos, but I've never seen those press releases. So that's that's really fascinating. Um, so, uh, you know, ju just as kind of a segue into your, your personal interest in this stuff, what's your favorite ride at Kings Island? Oh, now that's a loaded question. Not a um, <laughs> uh, sentimental favorite, probably if I had to pick the one, it is the beast. It's, um, that one resonates with me for a multitude of reasons. It absolutely terrified me first time I wrote it. Um, and I got off and thought, I will never get on that thing again. I'm lucky I survived that thing. And of course I was getting right back in line immediately to ride that thing. Um, but then I had the opportunity in 99, I was on Beast Crew. I worked there on weekends and they asked me, where do you want to work? And I said, hey, it's my bucket list. I want to work the Beast. And so I had the privilege of working a year on Beast Crew. Um, and also, I think if you take the me out of the, the context um, of the question, that ride, not that King's Island wasn't on the map before, but that ride sent King's Island into orbit. That ride put King's Island on the lips of every roller coaster park fan across the world. And so it just, I don't know, I, I just think it's the King ride. It is the ride um, at King's Island. So sorry, Don. Racers, racers up there. You know, too. I get it with the beast. I mean, it's, uh, you know, like you said, it, it, it definitely was a game changer in 1979 when that opened and, uh, you know, went from drawing regionally and, you know, some people knowing about the park, uh, you know, around the country from the Brady Bunch episodes, but, uh, but, you know, the floodgates opened. People were coming from all over the world just to ride it and they still do today. So it's withstood the test of time. The first time I ever heard of Kings Island. Now, again, I grew up about an hour away from Kings Dominion. So I went to Kings Dominion years before I ever went to Kings Island. And however, I learned of Kings Island in 1979 when the Beast opened because there was a show back then on, in the 70s called Real People. And this show, you know, if you're old school, you remember they would do these little snippets and segments where they would talk about people that had unique collections or did unique things or, you know, just things that were monumental across, you know, the country. And um, there was one of the hosts on that show is, uh, was a guy named Byron Allen. And he did a segment on this new roller coaster in Cincinnati, Ohio called The Beast. 
And I remember just thinking that thing looked crazy. I can remember it showing the helix. And I remember the tunnels, it diving underground in the tunnels. And I just remember as a little kid thinking, I would never get on that thing. That thing's crazy. And I remember his final tagline. And I've never seen the interview since. I've never seen it since it originally aired. But I remember, because it's etched in my mind, he said, if you come here and ride the beast, make sure you bring two pairs of pants because it'll scare one <laughs> off of you. And it just stuck with me. It stuck I, with me. I would assume you would have gone so, a different direction with two pairs of pants when it comes to scaring. But, you know. <laughs> well, John, you've also been at other parks. You're not just Kings Island. Um, what would you say your, your favorite uh, ride is outside of the beast? Um, that, well, coaster, if we're talking about coasters that recently changed, um, you know, I have a lot of different coasters. I, I like to tell people my most favorite coaster is the most recent one I've ridden typically. Um, but I will tell you that last spring I got to go down there to Universal Studios in Florida and I got on that Velocicoaster and doggone it, that thing. You talk about, you know, needing two pairs of pants. That one blew, blew mine right off. It, it, what an amazing attraction. So that's, that's up there. But I'm also very fond of classic older attractions. Um, I love carousels and their rich history. I think carousels are the heart of any park. I agree you know, with you right there. You talk about what my favorite attraction is at Kings Island. Well, it's the beast, you know. However, I think the heart of Kings Island and the most beautiful attraction and priceless attraction at Kings Island is the carousel. And that park is very lucky to have that and to have a carousel in that condition. And it's just amazing that the story that it has. So I'm a big carousel buff. And so... I, I love those. Yeah, I am too, John. When I go to parks, one of the first things I'm I'm riding is the carousel. I agree. And I tell everybody when they go to a park, I tell everybody, ride the carousel. No matter, you know, how old the carousel is, how new it is, ride it. Because those things, uh, again, they have such a rich and vast history. And, you know, selfishly, you know, I don't want them to ever go away. So I tell everybody, ride the carousel. So. Yeah, well, so speaking of carousels, you know, Kings Islands was refurbished for its 50th season. Um, let's talk about the stuff that mm -hmm. they did for the 50th, because obviously your your aim was to have the book out for the 50th. And, and it made that margin very barely, but it made it. Um, so what are your favorite things that Kings Island did to celebrate the 50th anniversary? Well, I I can tell you this, and I've kind of touched on this a little with Don, because they were pretty buttoned up about it at Kings Island, and I thought, oh no, surely they're not going to let the 50th go by without a big to-do, you know? But you never know. Um, but I tell you what, um, the, the signage, the 50th signage on the Eiffel Tower, oh, I loved that. The restoration of the carousel and the band organ, obviously, I, you know, on, you know, their 50th, you know, anniversary birthday party that they did back in April, you know, after those festivities ended, the first attraction I went to was carousel. 
and because I had to hear that band organ, I had to see it. I had to see the special 50th horse that they did. And, oh, man, you know, great job. But again, I'm going to get a little soft on here. But I think the most special thing that they did for the 50th was to invite Mr. Walks to come there and to be celebrated and to speak and to be heard because again it's all due to that man it's all due to that guy that was that was yeah what an honor part. every living gm past and present was there that day i mean i was there that i was there yes. too it was quite an honor to be to be part of that celebration you know um what did you think it about was, the fun fireworks was, in 50 the fireworks show at the end of the night blew me away blew me away but i also thought now they, they're gonna have to do I the drones <laughs> from now on because i mean how they can't ever i mean that was just amazing amazing and the incorporations um of those significant things in history you know the brady bunch and mm. evil knievel and you know phantom theater there was something in that show and it was so wise and so well done obviously visually but also just the ideas behind it, because I don't know if you realize this, they more or less grab something from each generation, you know, um, and include it in, in that show. You know, something that was special to somebody, you know, that went there in the 70s as a teen or as a kid, like Evil Knievel, you know. Um, the Phantom Theater segment probably didn't resonate as well with them as it did kids that grew up there in the 90s and that sort of thing so it did such a great job of kind of traveling through the decades it was a beautiful show beautiful yeah. show oh bring it back <laughs> yeah let's have 51 years <laughs> uh, i mean it's i remember after watching the show uh because i had heard rumblings that they were going to try to do a run through it uh the night before it was announced so i was like okay i'll risk it i'll go up to the park whatever i'm at the park regardless they do the show, and I remember walking up to Don like, hey, I hope you like drones because you're stuck with them for the rest of your life. Because it was so perfect in so many ways. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb because I will tell you, I had been at Disney just mm -hmm. prior to that. And, you know, Disney, uh, well, Disney World is ce was celebrating their 50th. So I could see their 50th, you know, you know, at the Magic Kingdom with the castle projections and all of that. And let me tell you something. I thought Kings Island blew theirs away. I honestly believe that. It, it was just amazing on a different level. And the drones were just the cherry on that Sunday. Yeah. I mean, uh, the drones are, that's such a, it's, a, it's such a novel technology for right now. I mean, it's going to be like anything else where every park's going to have drones in five years. But uh, to be in front of it like that uh, was really special because I remember standing there and you know, standing in crowds of people and they're like, how are they doing Those aren't fireworks, are they? And it's like, no, not yet. So someday fireworks will do that, but not today. I agree. I agree. There were, you know, I'm a goose pimple guy, you know, it's very few things still give me goosebumps. And when those drones, the mm -hmm. first time I saw it and, you know, they flew up there and they started forming those logos and those images the oohs and ahs of that audience, it shocked them that I was covered in goosebumps. So, so that was that was a goosebump moment. 
Awesome. It was amazing. Don, you have any thoughts? Well, John, um, you know, definitely, you know, looking at this book, certainly a, a labor of love uh, for you to, 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 you know, come up with this idea and, and work with Barry to put this together. Uh, so again, where can uh, fans of the park purchase a copy of this book? Well, it's exclusively being sold through Kings Island as of now. So it's available on Kings Island's merchandise website. And I believe that's kigear.com. Um, or you can buy it in the park if you're attending Winterfest this year. I think there's little over a week left of the Winterfest festivities. It's available in the Emporium on Main Street. Also, the two shops up at the very front entrance. And then in the ornament shop, I believe, the Christmas shop. So they uh, did a good job spreading it out. Yeah, the and online on the store fit, would be kingsislandgear.com. And, um, you know, it, it is a must-have if you are a fan of King. Yeah, Island. I just remember um, seeing, I went up to Cedar Point for their 150th. And they came out with uh, like a large coffee table book. And I remember thinking like, God, I wish we had this at Kings Island. I'm so glad we do now. You know, I'm so glad I was able to buy it and I get to enjoy it and everything. So I, I really do appreciate the, all the work that you put into it. I really do. Oh, well, it means a lot to me that people enjoy it. You know, um, having such a big collection of items having all of that stuff is no fun unless you can share them, you know? And so that was a big part of it. So I'm just, I'm just glad people, there are people out there that like it and enjoy it and they can look at these pictures and hopefully they get goosebumps. Hopefully they have an ooh-ah from the book. Yeah. It's going to bring back so many memories, you know, going, you know, no matter what year you first came to the park, you know, from that point on in the book, uh, just going to, you know, just rekindle all those, those great memories that you have. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's that's more or less what I explained to Barry in the genesis of this book. When Barry and I first started talking, I said, all right, Barry, you know, I'm a big old softy. And here's the reason I want to do this. I have so many memories wrapped up in this park. And the memories aren't so much hinged on what I rode or how many times I rode it or, you know, what rides I was able to ride or what rides I wasn't able to ride. Those memories are all enveloped in who I was able to enjoy that park with and the friends that I've made there over 40 years of going to that park. And, you know, I explained to him that it's not unique to me. Kings Island is a very different park because it's been able to um, touch the hearts of so many people uh, in the Cincinnati area, you know, in Ohio, all across the world. And it just has a special feeling, a special vibe. It's a very generational park. And so many people, you know, have gone there as kids that are now going there with their kids or their grandkids. So all of these people, not just me, have these amazing memories. But what helps trigger those memories is when you see a picture of an old ride that's not there anymore, and they think, oh, I remember that ride. I remember when I went on that with my Aunt Lucy. And you remember then after that, we went and got blue ice cream with Uncle Bill or something like that. And that's, that's why I told 
very, it was important to get this, this book right. And for my part, it's kind of my love letter to Kings Island. It was my little, um, I don't know, my chance to give back to the park that's given me so many great moments and memories and friends through the years. Awesome. So once again, that's, um, kingsislandgear.com you can get it there and you can actually i I think it's in pretty much this is as of you know the week before christmas december 2022 so if you listen to this in a year who knows but um you know as of now you know if you're swinging by the park it's in most of the gift shops uh so that's great absolutely pick up a copy i think it's 75 bucks um well worth it for a book that big for a big coffee table reader uh you will not regret it but John, we really appreciate you coming on the show and talking about your book. Um, oh, well, honor. thank you again. If you uh, look at the description of uh, you know both the YouTube or the podcast, uh, the actual apps and stuff, I will link directly to John's book where you can make your purchase and have it shipped in time for probably the new year. So awesome, Don. Do you have any final thoughts? That was a great job with the book, John. We've enjoyed having you on the the podcast with us and uh you know it was you know weeks of anticipation but well worth it to have this book out and thank you for your support don john do you have any final thoughts you want to share with anybody um i look forward to the next 50 years of history i assume that you're going to write another book in 50 (laughs) years uh i mean lead be the lead contributor to a book in 50 years I tell you what, I I will continue to collect King's Island memorabilia just in case <laughs> I decide to write another book in 50 years. <laughs> well, maybe we'll settle on 75 because uh, hopefully most of us can see that one. But uh, again, uh, kingsislandgear.com. The book is called King's Island, A Photographic Journey. You know, for those of you who are watching, actually, let me put myself on the camera here. So you can't miss it. It's huge. It's uh, It's about a foot long and probably eight or nine inches tall. So awesome coffee table book, uh, fantastic photos. Uh, it really is a visual journey. So make sure you check it out. Uh, make sure that you follow us on YouTube by searching for the Attractions Group Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at attractions underscore GRP and listen to us through your favorite podcast apps. So this is the Attractions Group Podcast signing off. And if you guys listen to this in the next few days from recording, have a very Merry Christmas. Thank you. Have a good night.